All righty, welcome everybody to today's episode of Converging Conversations. My name is Onika Jefferson Cornelius. I am your host, and I am the founder of Convergent Solutions, LLC. Converging Conversations is where we converse with amazing leaders who join us to share their story, personal and professional, and share how they've made the connection between who they are, what they do, and how they serve others. These conversations are designed to pique your curiosity, challenge your thinking, and encourage you to unleash more of you in the world. Today's guests are amazing. These are amazing women that I've had the pleasure of working with, uh, both in industry and one is a new entrepreneur. And so I wanna welcome both Antoinette Bunkley, I call her Tony, and Miss Sarah Waylett. So a little bit about Miss Tony. So Tony has spent the last 15 years developing her skills and taking on new experiences in strategic communications and change management for Fortune 500 companies, tech startups, and nonprofit organizations. Through those experiences, she has honed her craft as a master storyteller, a cultural curator, and a trusted advisor to senior leaders. Sarah comes to us, and by her admission, she is a recovering perfectionist and a serial burnout overachiever. Wow. Over time to cope, she has studied methods to manage her severe anxiety and stress through yoga and dance. More recently, she began to apply human-centered design thinking methods that she used to facilitate business problem solving to help her deal with the stressors that cause the anxiety and the stress. Sarah now, now shares her way of working to manage and recover from burnout with the world through her organization, Dream Garden. Alrighty, today we are going to talk a little bit about how and what it means to explore the converging impact of mental health, wellness, and care on the culture of our workplaces, and more importantly, most importantly, the people in it. Wow, ladies, I'm excited to have you both. How are y'all doing today? Wonderful, thank you. Awesome. So awesome. Great to hear from you both. So here's my here's my opening question, right? It's really just you know, as you think about having been part of and, and joining me here at Converging Conversations, please share a bit of your story and why you decided to join me for today's conversation. Ms. Tony, I'm going to hand it to you first. Hey, Onika, thank you so much, Sarah. So glad to be with you. So I have to say, I don't know if I won the lottery or if it was just that time, but this is a full circle moment, this conversation. Because 10 years ago, almost to the day, I was at my lowest point, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I remember on this day, uh, 10 years ago, picking up the phone in my office in tears and calling the employee assistance hotline and saying, I don't know what to do, but I need help and I, I can't continue like this and from there it was um taking a leave from work i was burned out stressed out did not know what to do next um all i knew was i was exhausted and i couldn't continue the way i had been so through the support of friends and family and inner strength that i don't know where i found it from um but you know got through that opportunity and to be here with both of you ladies and, and the listening audience to be able to talk about that journey and look back on where I started versus where I am again a full circle moment and I'm pleased to say that I'm, I feel happy and healthy and whole today and I just would love to share a glimpse a piece of 
what this means and hopefully help someone else. That's really what I hope to share and also glean from this experience, but know that if you're going through something similar, you are not alone. This may be the start of your journey, just listening in to our conversation, but um, no, you're not alone. No, you can get through it. And we'll dig into what it is, I'm sure, later in our conversation. But yeah, just a full circle moment for me right now. So I, if I tear up, you'll know why. <laughs> wow, that's powerful, Tony. Thank you. Miss Sarah, Thank welcome. You. What brings you to the Converging Conversations podcast today? I relate so, so much to what Tony just said. So um, my first leave of absence, Tony, was in 2007. Uh-huh. Same. Yeah. the EAP. Wow. Having a panic attack every single time I went to lift my laptop lid. Right. Um, and just again, I think it also is for me a full circle. Um, I respect the work that you do so much, Onika, and I'm just so grateful to be able to share my story and again to reinforce what Tony said about just that. You're not alone when you're going through this. And there are reasons that folks like us want to talk about it out loud, right? And share our own experiences, but also let you know that there are ways to navigate out of it. And that is the work that I now do in the world. And I'm so, so grateful to be in service in that way now. That is that is awesome. And again, thank you both. You know. What I appreciate and love and honor so much about both of you is that what we're talking about are things that are personal that you don't have to disclose, right? No. And the level of courage that it takes to not just share the story openly, but to say, you know what, I'm going to build a practice around helping others. And I think that it's really important because there's the side of it as somebody who's experiencing it, right? Uh, in organizations, and let's be clear, right? I, and I don't know that everybody has sort of gotten this message yet, that we have experienced global trauma in a way that has it has mm -hmm. never happened, right? And so no. we don't know what trauma looks like coming back into the workplace. We think we do, but I don't know that we do. And I don't know that people have yet found the words, the language, the lexicon, right, for what we're experiencing, they're finding nice names, right? Whether it's quiet quitting yeah. and great resignation and things of that nature, but people are having to leverage, to you know, maneuver around traumatic experiences that if we're all honest are still happening, right? And so in the absence right. of language, uh, people aren't able to necessarily speak about what they need because I think a lot of people haven't experienced it before. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people haven't experienced it before. And so it's showing up in their bodies. It's showing up, um, yes. you know, in our sleep or the lack thereof, oh. right? People haven't been able to rest, right? How do you continue to right. survive and navigate if you can't even rest? So I just appreciate that we're able to call the question. So Ms. Tony would love yes. to start with you. You know, you and I, we had the pleasure of meeting in the workplace and you know, yeah. I know that you have a powerful perspective to share. I have purposed and intentioned to surround myself by people from different generations than mine, right? Yeah. Because 
I think we just collectively have, you know, different voices and different experiences. And so as you think about that journey for you and your mental health journey, what drove this level of transparency that you're walking in now? Uh, I think honestly, Onika Sarah said it best. Um, it's an act of service. It's a means to say thank you to the people that you included um, journeyed with me when I did not know there was a way out. I didn't know there was something different. I didn't know if I would feel better. And um, this is a way to say thank you. And again, to reiterate that if you're listening to this or share this with someone who may need it, this might be the key that they need to feel well. And um, for me, I think about how people who navigate through neurodivergency and mental and emotional challenges, we have to be resourceful. Oftentimes there isn't a manual that you can just Google or pick up and say, how do I get better? Wow. <laughs> I wish there were, I, I, I believe this conversation could help frame out like a toolkit for what that would look like. But when I started on my journey of wellness, there were no resources. So I believe that's one of my superpowers now to be resourceful, to know where to go for information. I love that Sarah and I both said EAP. Like we knew enough in the organizations we were at at the time that there was a number that we could reach out to and call. And uh, again, that's what sparked the journey for me. I hadn't spent much time uh, focusing on my mental or emotional health. And that, that was the starting point for me. So I think that, again, if you start on this journey, no, more likely than not, you're going to get a superpower, too, of resourcefulness and being your own advocate. Because sometimes you have to explain this to your friends and family. Sometimes you have to explain this uh, or, or navigate explaining it to your coworkers and your manager and um, why you feel the way you feel or are the way you are. And I just feel like, being on this side of the journey, um, I've developed some superpowers. And I think that's the upside um, to taking this journey. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We were, we did an HR versus racism hackathon about a year or so ago. And one of the things that we found is, and we were actually, we were doing some work around comp comp and Ben. And Mm -hmm. we just asked the question, how many organizations think about their EAP to make sure that there are diverse providers that address cultural belonging and needs differently. And we literally had a CEO who joined us and said, you know what, we don't, we don't source diverse providers that can address cultural needs and impacts, right? Because there may be different needs culturally, there may be different needs spiritually, right? So it opened, it was an aha for him. And, And I love the fact that both of you said the same thing that A, EAPs are beneficial. So for those who are leaders that are listening in the people function in spaces who are wondering, you know, do our, do people really use or need our EAP programming? Yes. Uh, yes. But there's a great opportunity to say, how can we cast a wider net for diverse providers, uh, therapists, coaches, uh, mindfulness programs, and leaders that speak to the cultural nuances and neurodiversities, right, that people come in seeking help for? That's powerful. Yeah. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
Miss Sarah, you know what? I love that when I saw your bio, you said that you were a perfectionist in recovery and that spoke to me. But, you know, as you think about what this healing and building journey has been like for you, you have transitioned to change this into a business. Uh -huh. Say more about that. And what has that journey been like? Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be honest. It started with that EAP call, right? Yeah. Um, and really learning more about myself. Um, I had already been diving into mindfulness to help with anxiety, but I needed more. I needed medical attention, right? I needed some medication <laughs> to help me get over the hump. I needed a therapist that could really challenge my thinking about what I was capable of achieving and doing even in a day or an hour because I was blind how much I was trying to do and achieve in those periods of time. Wow. Um, and that's where it started for me as well, just this journey of seeking ways to stop my monkey mind from telling me all the terrible things that it thought about me, right? Mm -hmm. And then working in the space from there of navigating what the benefits look like myself right having hard conversations with some of my own employees in my career where i saw the signs maybe even before they did right yeah, yeah i knew what was going on and i could say hey have you considered taking a break because yeah. help right like and no judgment there for me because i could tell my own story about it Mm -hmm. I had already been there. And so getting to a place where I could freely, openly talk about my own journeys and then figuring out this magic of mindfulness and stress and stressors and the magic of what mindfulness and design thinking does and how it addresses both the stress and the stressors when we talk about burnout and how our bodies physiologically respond to the tiger or the unexpected project in the same way. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. A logical way. And many times the tiger makes us run or fight, right? Or yeah. play dead. And we get like we, <laughs> yeah. we get back to this place of safety because we've expelled all of this energy and yeah. completed that don't do that with the extra project or the financial burden or whatever it is that's coming at us and so having a different way of looking at those things really dropped in for me very recently and then it was a calling to say i need to go teach people these tools in order to help because I know that they work for me and have worked on my journey to well-being. And I'm shaking and I'm still using mindfulness every single day. I'm never gonna be at the top of the mountain where there's no stress, that's not possible. But I can know that my nervous system is elevated, right? That it's, it's triggered and I know what to do when it yeah. is. And that is so powerful. Agreed. 
Yeah, I, I love that. You know, one of the things that I think we don't talk enough about and just address is, and we've heard this, right, I think probably in all of our walks of life as we, in the work that we've been doing, there is a huge impact to this, right, as we think about the multi-generational workforce, right? Because we now have five generations that are trying to navigate and they have different expectations of work and how they can show up. And when things happen, you suck it up, you tough it out, you don't talk about it, you just make it happen. And then you have some younger generations that are used to transparency, like, no, I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm going to tell you what's going on with me. Right. Uh And I think that that's refreshing. I also think it it freaks people out. (laughs) Right. Because if you think about it, it, this is just one of the indicators. I think this is one of the canaries in the mine shaft in that think about all of the things that we talk about now in the workplace, about culture, about people that were taboo. You didn't talk about how much money you made. You didn't talk no. about your family. You didn't, you know, whatever was going on, you sucked it up. You had a moment in the parking lot and you came in smiling, right? No. We, we put the mask on, you know. Every and, time. Exa- you know what I'm saying? And what younger generations, I think, started to teach us is, first of all, that's not sustainable, right? Uh, first, <laughs> Second of all, you're fronting. You're being really fake right now because that's not <laughs> how any of this works. Yeah. And the third piece it's is, true. right? For those of us that raised children and young people in this time where we taught them, say your words, tell us how you're feeling, <laughs> tell, tell me what you need. And now they're in the workplace and they're telling us what they need. They're telling yeah. us what's wrong. <laughs> and we're like, no, we don't want to talk about that. And, and you can't have it both ways. And so now there's this piercing of the veil, right? There is, you know, I think about the pandemic and for for me and my family it has been tough but there it, there has been more blessings than challenges but one yeah. of the things that i think it did was it gave us permission we literally we it, as part of our work world we invited people into our homes right we were working but you were in my home with me you were watching mm-hmm. my kid right like paint jelly on the wall the newest masterpiece right in our house uh, you know, you were seeing my cat walk across <laughs> the computer and I think it freaked people out, but it also made everybody human and it leveled the playing field. Absolutely. In amazing ways. And I think it's just allowed us to say, you know what, everybody needs an accommodation of some kind. Now, my accommodation may sound like the kids are getting ready to come home and they're going to ask me three questions. Mommy, I'm hungry. Mommy, what'd you do today? You know, whatever the things are. That's an accommodation. And I don't think uh-huh. we even call it what it is, right? And so yeah. we, we have people saying, you know what? I'm having some cognitive overload right now. I can't be on camera. There's too much going on. And so for me to concentrate yeah. and hear what you need me to hear, I can't be focused on looking at you and looking at me and the zit on my forehead and wondering if you see the zit on my forehead and all the things. And it's the same level of of, of accommodation and disclosure, right? That I think we now have given ourselves permission to do. That's right. You know? Um, Love that word too, permission. Yeah. 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 So question for both of you, right? There is so much shifting in the workplace and the world for that matter around how we think about inclusive workspaces that are safe and foster belonging. Would love to hear from your perspective. What does that look, feel, and sound like? For you 
Because every organization, I think, is trying to master it. What does inclusion mean, right? What does belonging mean? As we think about mental wholeness, right, and healthy workplaces and spaces, what does that look, feel, and sound like for you? Sarah, you want to start us off? Yeah. Go ahead, Sarah. So, um, it's funny. I am a company of one right now. But um, I believe in a world where people bring their whole selves to work, mm -hmm. right? I believe in a world where it's safe to talk about what's going on in your personal life. And I believe in a world where we meet people where they're at, by accommodation or benefit or you know, the EAP, guiding them to the EAP phone call, whatever that looks like. And um, I think it, it has to come down to each individual's own self-awareness and building that muscle. Because I think that those of us in the, the older generations don't have as strong muscles as the young ones. Um, I think it comes down to being willing to be vulnerable with the people that you lead and to have those conversations and to meet them where you are with your heart open, where many times we are taught that we close our hearts down the minute that we step into the office. That's the truth. It's different. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about even like code switching, where I can show you a picture of my very first day at Accenture and I was code switching. I can see it. Yeah, wow. Where I was this young blonde, I had pulled my hair back into a ponytail so that it looked very severe and professional. I had I always wore my glasses. I never wore contacts. I wanted to make sure that people took me very seriously mm -hmm. for my brain and not for how I looked. And I code switched for years and I'm sure that that actually came into play when I was burning myself out as well, because I wasn't showing up as the creative sort of spirit that I show up as today. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's down to bravery and vulnerability and communication at the heart of it with each, every individual. It's not just up to leaders. Leaders lead the way by example, yeah. but it's also up to every single person on a team to be dedicated to that safe space and for holding space for each other. That's right. Sarah, that's bananas because you just introduced a dimension of code switching that looks, think about looks really different to and for black and brown people and people of color and different people groups. It has a yep. different connotation. I think that's a different episode. We might have to, we might have to go ahead. That's and a good one. It's a good one. And un unpack that because that is code switching. It, it is. is. It's what does it look like for me to go along and get along? And whatever my mask is, I'm switching it up. That's powerful. Yeah. Tony, say more about what that looks, feels, and sounds like for you. Yeah, I think Sarah hit a couple of things that I, I really want to speak on and um, having leaders lead by example 
So again, I love telling stories. So I'll tell you one uh, that just happened in the past six months. So I got a new, uh, my team member was promoted to lead my communications team, right? Mm -hmm. So he is, is a white, straight, male, millennial, right? Managing a team of multi-generational women of color. (laughs) So it's an interesting dynamic. And I knew that um, in my current employer, we would be returning to the office when whoever declared it was safe from the the pandemic and all but disappeared, we'd be coming back to the office. So um, I knew my coworker now manager um, fairly well, but not in this new capacity, right? So I sat down with him. We had scheduled one-on-ones and our first conversation, I said, um, now that we're in this new relationship, I want you to lead by example. And and I said it just like this. Um, And I said, and I want you to lead by example by being vulnerable and that could create a safe space for me to share what I'd like to share with you. Um, but I need to know it's safe. So can you lead by example and share with me something that you're going through in your life that may be impacting work? And he stopped and he thought, and then he immediately had an answer that he was willing to share with me. And he said, you know what? I'm finalizing a divorce right now. A person that I thought I was going to spend my life with that relationship has ended and it's impacted every area of my life. And I try to, you know, put on a strong face and be professional at work. And he said, I don't know why, but it feels so good to share that, that someone would ask. And the fact that you asked me that as a leader to be able to be comfortable to share with me where you are. And he said, one, thank you for asking. And two, I'm going to use that from now on with the other team members. Um, and thank you, right? Because I, I was just testing the water to see what he would share. I, I didn't know it was going to be that. And that's the thing. To Sarah's point about code switching, he was always so buttoned up, so sharp. You would never know that this man would. And he told me, he was just like, I'd go home and cry. And then jump on another conference call and and get it together and then cry again. And, you know, and it's been a tumultuous time. And I don't think anyone at work knew that. At least I had tried my hardest, which was even harder, to kind of mask what I was going through in my personal life just to show up well professionally. But now I know it's okay. I don't actually have to do that. And thank you for giving me permission. There's that word again. There's that word again. So um, that's just an example of how just having a conversation, asking a question could lead to a a whole new dynamic of vulnerability and safety. Um, So yeah, that's one that just happened. (laughs) Wow, that is is powerful. There's a lot of jewels in that. You know, um, I think it might've been Simon Sinek. I, I mean, everybody has said it in some way, shape or form, right? That leaders go first. And Uh so, you know, in doing this work and whether it's, you know, with executives and coaching one-on-one, it's always like, you have to model the vulnerability that you want your team to operate under, right? That's right. You have to be willing to show them what a behavior looks like, not tell them, but show them what it looks like so that they recognize it. And it gives us invisible permission again 
to, to show mm -hmm. up more discreetly ourselves. We started talking about people. So let's let people, leaders and managers. So let's go there for a minute, right? They are being asked, we are being asked to engage and connect and identify team members, right, with mental health needs. And let's be clear, with all the things that people leaders have had to do, right, this is new space, right? Literally, I mean, HR, the people function, as we think about what it means to lead, it is taking on new nuances and new dimensions. And, and I loved the way you shared that a bit earlier, Sarah, right, around what it's like, like, I know the signs when I see them. I know the okay. clues, I know the cues. Um, what I think we have to also recognize if we're going to call the question in the statement is people, leaders and managers being humans, right? They are grappling with, in many instances, their own, right? Mental health. And then they're yeah. also carrying the weight, the ownership and the requirement to now be that people leader that recognizes that for everybody else that they're leading. Absolutely. Right. And so as we think about that, what would you say to a people leader who is having to manage and navigate their own mental health journey? How can we equip and enable them in this conversation too? What are your thoughts, Sarah? I think first and foremost, those leaders need to cultivate that self-awareness muscle, right? They need to recognize what's happening within themselves and be able to articulate that, um, be able to be vulnerable around that with their teams, and then be able to recognize it in those team members. Um, they also really need to understand the signs, right? And be able to sort of have those vulnerable conversations around the signs and the definitions of what burnout and mental health, right, can look like, mm -hmm. and really being able to both support themselves and seek out help themselves and also offer safe space, psychological safety for their teams. It's so incredibly important for both the individual to be aware, but also the team to be aware of this space, like this space that says it's safe to have this conversation. Yeah. Let's figure out what's happening underneath and then let's figure out how we navigate it together. That's really powerful. Tony, what would you add to that? Yeah, yeah. I. Sarah, I feel like we're, you know, in the NBA and you're, we're just dribbling back and forth. I don't really know anything about basketball, but as I was listening to you talk about, you know, people managers in that moment, I was, and I shared about my mental and emotional health challenges, um, my diagnoses. And I said, you know, I, I may need some accommodations um, as we transition back to the office uh, from working remotely and thank you for sharing. So just a real life example of exactly what Sarah was saying, um, modeling the behavior, being vulnerable, creating space. Um, yeah, I just invited him to go first. <laughs> so, um, and it really worked out and we have a stellar relationship now and he's actually used that to talk to other team members that he he's noticed or seen struggling or performance isn't what it used to be. Um, and, and he's broached the conversation by being vulnerable. So you're exactly right. I love that. Wow. That is so true, right? Anytime we talk with leaders, it's really right about how you go first and you model the behavior that you want to see and how do you give explicit and implicit permission for people to show up with the same level of freedom. Um, That's right. Because everybody's human and so everybody is dealing with something. 
everybody. That's right. And I love that the two of those perspectives came together. That's powerful, ladies. Thank you so much. Gosh, we are just about done. This has been such a rich opportunity. I have one more question for you both as we start to wrap this up. And it's really, as I think about how personal and transparent your stories have been, my question is really just around, you know, if you could talk to your younger self, thinking about everything she's been through, and if you could step back in time and you talked to her and encouraged her, what would you say? I guess I'll kick us off. Um, I tell my younger self, baby Tony, I would tell little Tony, I'd say, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not always have it together. Mm. You don't have to be type A, everything buttoned up, always on, all the time. It's okay to fall apart sometimes. It's okay to not be okay. And just give myself that permission, the space to be human. Oniko, like you said, to be human and we don't always have it together. We're not always perfect. Um, yeah, I, I would tell baby Tony that and I hope she would listen. <laughs> I do. That's the part, right? Would, would, would baby girl listen, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's for all of us. Sarah, what would you tell you? Oh, I would, I would look her in the eye and I would tell her that she is good enough just the way she is. She has value for just being exactly who she is. Mm -hmm. She does not have to strive. She does not have to chase. She does not have to achieve in order to have worth and value in this life and to just be. Yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful. Wow. So ladies, you know what? As we wrap this up, what I always ask guests to come on in as we, you know, sort of close our time together is what would be your one word checkout, right? And so for me, my one word, having spent this time with both of you is honored. This has been amazing. It really is. It's not easy to tell your story, right? And I'm asking, we're coming into this place and it's safe for the three of us, but we know that this conversation, I'm believing is gonna have far reaching implications that it's going to grab at the hearts and minds of people to just really think about what it means to authentically, boldly sit, stand, be just who they are, right? Whatever the challenges are. So my word is honored. What are yours? My word is reflection. I feel so strongly that it's such an honor to have conversations to reflect on my own experience, to share that experience with the world. And the more that we put these conversations out into spaces, the more permission, there's that word again, the more permission we give others to just show up and to ask for help and to be where they are and to feel like they will be met wherever they are. Awesome. So, that's Thank the you. word. So my word is good. I feel like so much good has come of this conversation. I feel like so much good will be done because of this conversation. I feel good things rippling out 
from this conversation, my word is good. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Thank you both so much. So for those of you that listen and or stumble upon this podcast, we would love your feedback about this episode today, how we think about mental health and navigating workspaces, personal spaces, just navigating our mental health journeys. And so again, we're hoping that you chime in and help us create a place to have these value-added conversations. How can you stay engaged with us here when we talk about converging conversations in the community? We will be posting today's podcast. It'll be available on LinkedIn, uh, all of the platforms. Come and hang out with us. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you.